As always, thank you for listening to Caleb vs. Self. In this episode, I get a chance to speak with Ryan Dunham, my uncle, the owner of Rasta Tao. We talk about political and media atheism, the importance of community, and how fear holds us back from fulfilling our potentials. You can find him on Instagram at RastaBudaTau with tons of great vapes, great artists on there, and a great Instagram live. If you're interested in any more of that, check him out, RastaBudaTau on Instagram. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for, for hopping on the podcast. This has been a, a long time coming, I think, and I hope to do a whole bunch of them with you at some point. But today I'm on with Ryan, political media atheist, which in and of itself is like the most fascinating thing to me because given the world we live in today, uh, you know, 2020 sucked, 2021 isn't shaping out to be super great. How is it you maintain this media atheism or political media atheism in today's day and age? Uh, well, thanks. Uh, definitely, I really appreciate you having me on first and foremost. And uh, it's it's uh, been a pleasure uh, listening to the podcast with with you and your bros. So shout out to your other podcast. If folks are listening to this one. Definitely back up, listen to some others. But um, yeah, um, thanks for the question. And so uh, I'll kind of start with a little bit of the backstory, uh, and then I'll I'll kind of talk about the tenets of political media atheism, but, um, by all means. So yeah, kind of what drove me to it. And then I'll start with that and what, how I'm able to try to maintain it is, um, so I just, uh, I was really just in a place in my life where I had a lot of, uh, a turmoil and personal like stuff, you know, happening and things were really, really busy. And, uh, I just was, uh, started to get, uh, I think oversensitized to the media and, and I started to notice that I was having just adverse reactions, um, to the, to the media, uh, just, I think because of my kind of like already fragile state, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just stuff like, you know, it just seemed like it was either murder or rape or sodomy or grand larceny or terrorism or malpractice or i mean it's just the news just seemed just seemed to be this huge cesspool um that just continually poured this stuff out and so i i got to the point where i was really engaged in my work to try to kind of just really hide away from my personal issues and so i i really got away from um any media and so i was doing a lot of research on the youtube and then i and i found out this magical thing called youtube red you know yeah yep and i i i i I don't know how anybody could even go to that youtube place without youtube red right and so all of a sudden it just cleared away like all there's zero you know, media to me, I'm saying commercial media, there's no more commercials and I could just go, you know, watch all these amazing videos that people have provided uh, out there for free. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like I think I've gotten at least one or two more full degrees from YouTube university, you know? And so 
I spent a lot of time on YouTube and YouTube Red, and then I, I, I had the Netflix thing, and so, uh, you know, and so I only really watched that when my kids were over for the weekend. My daughter and I would binge watch stuff a lot, and so there's no commercials, right? There's very little marketing on Netflix, yep. and so, um, so then I, I kind of cocooned myself, and then when I started getting, uh, when I would start to see the news, it would infuriate me. Like I would get very angry and like, like sometimes loud and belligerent over seeing the news. And I really came to the head after uh, my eighth and your ninth cousin, uh, cousin, you uh, you know that, right? That Obama is your ninth cousin. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I've seen the paperwork on that, but you guys seem pretty convinced. I'll just say, let's just say the la- after the president whose mother's maiden name was Dunham, his term was over, uh, then I got really angry and sensitized when then I realized the only thing you had is a choice between shit and crap. And so I, I started to just get like, it was like this very strong adverse reaction. To it. And so. So when you say uh, it, you're talking about just the political sphere as a whole. So. uh, Or or media. Anytime, anything political with that debacle of, you know, laughing stock of when, you know, the, 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 the government of this country finally fell off the cliff was a choice between shit and crap. And there was all this terrorism and, and there's just just filth like the the news is just look at it it's 95 percent garbage anything fed into you either by the news by uh, uh uh commercial marketing or political means all of that shit's just garbage and so i was i was visiting my mom in florida and i had been in this mode for a while and uh I love my mom. I want to spend some time with her. And she was sitting there watching Little House on the Prairie, which is innocent enough. So I sat with my mom. And then all of a sudden, the news came on. And I was like, you know, you're overreacting with this news thing. You're acting like a lunatic. You know, this is your mom. And so the news came on. And it was like, Tampa man is charged with uh, grand larceny after beating up a clerk at a convenience market and stealing the money or whatever it was. And I, and so my, you know, I could see my mom being like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, that's nice. And she kind of looked at me <laughs> like, like Ryan, you know? And so the next thing was, you know, man burns down his house after killing both of his children and leaving the bodies inside. And I was like, Oh, how nice. And she just, then she did say, Ryan, and I was like, what? I was like, I am just intentionally having the opposite reaction to the reaction that you are getting from this thing, this news. It's fake empathy. You are being fed fake empathy and you're buying it because why else would you be watching? Like the world's terrors. Like, and so <laughs> that's when I came to the realization, like, that's the only reason is to feel better about yourself, about judging other people and having fake empathy for the people that are the victims in the rest of the world's atrocities because it has nothing to do with my life. <laughs> and so that's kind of um, 
kind of like the backstory and how I just kind of came into this thing. And then, um, during the election, like, uh, I, I, like I'd go to music festivals and there's all these people like, get out the vote, get out the vote. And so I'd be walking past them and I'd say, no, thank you. I'm a political atheist. And I'd look at him and it'd take him a minute to register. Like atheism means he doesn't believe in God, but he's saying political. He doesn't believe, I doesn't believe politics. That's funny. You know, hey. And so then, um, I just continued to, to push it because the, what I realized is, is everyone has been so trained and conditioned to this. Like on my Instagram, I would post, please don't vote. I would have the, you know, not the big get out the vote sticker, you know, please don't vote. And people will get angry. Like that will get out. I will touch, like it touches a nerve. Yeah. And I like to touch nerves. I'm like Cyril, your brother. I like to touch nerves. <laughs> right. So, so then it got into a thing where I realized that it was kind of, it was being taken as adversarial to some degree. And I could push people's buttons with the political mediation because, because, you know, if it's, if it's Donald Biden or Joe Trump, like I know one's the president and one's currently the vice president. They're both amazing right now. And I love them both. And let me give you a big hug, brother. And people are like, what, what you have to pick one. You have to say, you either have to say you pick none and you stay out of politics or you have to like, no, I love, they're both. They're great. If I could just get, you know, Donald's hair and Hillary's ass, like, whoa, that would be a president right there in a half. <laughs> you, just, you just have so, no, no concern for so, it. So I can definitely understand the news, like media atheist as far as that stuff, right? Because you're right, a lot of people watch that because they want to feel better about themselves. Like, well, my life sucks, but at least I didn't get stabbed in the face or whatever it is. <laughs> but on the other hand, right, people might argue to you and say, you have to be somewhat acknowledged or you have to acknowledge to some degree about local politics and government because at the end of the day, that does impact your life. Yes. So yes. how do you balance, if if at all, those two uh, or how how hard do you go with the atheism piece when it comes to politics? Cause I can definitely understand the media portion. Um, but what about politics? Cause you have to be semi-informed. I mean, it might impact your business or your taxes or who knows what it might impact, but how right. do you do that? Right. You said the T word. Yep. So you're right. I did. That is a perfect setup. Okay. So, uh, so now I'm just going to go back and I'm now I'm going to explain like uh, political uh, atheism in the, its three tenets because what I found was I got that question that you had a lot and 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 it kind of kind of scratches that patriotism right and so there's three tenets to being a political atheist um, it requires you to be a media atheist because if you're not going to believe in it and then you and then it has to not exist right to the best of your ability so right um, the number one is the USA rules. USA is the best place, I believe, on the planet. I believe that is the best physical place. If anyone in the world could choose a place, and that's why so many people want to come here, right? We're the melting pot, and uh, uh, and I think we are the least racist, even though we have the most problems with racism. And it's because we are the melting pot, right? Right. Go to France. I think it's a bunch of white people. You go to Italy. I'm pretty sure it's a bunch of Italians, right? And there's a few other people sprinkled in. 
But America's like, come everybody, right? So first and foremost, I think we're the best, diverse, uh, uh, most abundant and very tolerant uh, country that professes freedom, right? Freedom. For me to say I'm a political media atheist, that's yeah. tenant number one, is God bless America. That's number one. Where, whichever God you profess to. Okay. Number two is, uh, and I'm going to tell you the next two things are are, are actually the I guess the ten the the kind of the core tenets is one is, uh, and you only believe, you only acknowledge these two things about the government. Okay, is incarceration. Okay, mm-hmm. there are some things. There is law. Uh, physical law in the country and and you will be apprehended and you will be imprisoned and you will potentially and this doesn't happen enough be put to death for doing other acts against other humans okay so there's okay. incarceration you gotta acknowledge that and that's what it is and and uh you just gotta be a good human and then that's not a problem however you could still be a great human the best in the world and still be incarcerated and that comes to the set third tenet, which is taxes. You are required to file. You don't have to file. If you don't make any money, you don't have to file. But if you don't file, you don't make any money. You don't exist. It means you're dead. So you pretty much you really should file. And the and the law and the rule is this: is that you just have to pay some tax. And the money you make, the more money you make, the more you pay, and the more the bigger the more they take away on a percentage. That's that's it. Right. And and uh, those those are the two things. Those are the only two things is is taxes, incarceration, and this amazing country that you really need to be concerned about. Uh, and and uh, at a minimum, okay. And so you don't have to worry about the politics. You don't have to worry about military. You don't have to worry about any of the bureaucracy. You don't have to worry about any adversarial communication. And uh, you don't have to like debate anybody about anything that's going on in the government. And so to your question of how am I allowed to, to, to not care about local politics or politics that uh, affect my business, and the answer to that is is trust in the Constitution. I believe the forefathers have put simple rules in place enough, okay, to keep this thing glued together, and that there's enough clowns in the the majority of the people are these are are into the politics and they're going to do the voting and they're going to do the sign waving and they're going to do the picketing and they're going to do the lives matter and they're going to do all these things and and uh the government's for the people and it's all foobar it's all a bunch of bullshit it's all a bunch of it's, they got you all fooled man they're playing you right against off against each other while they're taking 30 percent of your revenue and they can't balance a, a checkbook to save their save their lives so it's a very bad investment okay if you have a company right and you're invested in it and you're putting 30 percent in your money and it's losing 60 percent and and you come to find out that they're in such bad shape that there's a corporate takeover from this other company called china and now they own your company uh you're why would you invest why would you invest a dime 
Why would you invest the time in that company? Well, uh, wouldn't you have, like, for that piece, just really briefly, like, the point of the government is not to make money. I I can definitely understand balancing a checkbook. Absolutely, I agree with you there. But the point isn't to be in a surplus either, right? Like, we should be using that money effectively and efficiently as a whole. And if there happens to be a surplus, that means that we should just pay a little less next year. Wouldn't that be the thought process? Not to like actively make sure that this government system creates wealth. No, my point is, okay. is that it's, it's taking 30% of your revenue and it's blown through that. And it's now owned, we are owned by China. We're owned by China. Our debt, it's the fact that they, it, I would love it if they could just get, I don't want a surplus. You're right, but these motherfuckers, excuse my friends, are so far out of balance, even balancing the checkbook, that we're trillions of dollars in debt. And again, I'm getting excited because I don't even want to talk about it because it's a complete and utter waste of time. And here's here's why I'll tell you why. Is is because, and here's how I'll prove it to you that, you, that, that, that everybody just wants to mentally masturbate with each other Right. While the government's taking your money. Right. The First Amendment is muted. Okay, And yes, we can all say whatever we want. Right. But eventually, if you make a gun out of plastic. okay, the motherfuckers are coming for you. And so your your First Amendment is muted and your Second Amendment is gone. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms was when in Washington there was a bunch of you know, uh, soldiers around the White House with bayonets and we could go storm the White House with bayonets, okay? It was to ensure that you could take over the government and so that you could have a say and you couldn't, you could have true democracy and not just a choice between shit and crap every election year, right? And so unless you have a nuclear bomb, right? You, if, if someone really rose up in this country to any level of significance, martial law happens and they get squashed out. That's what happens. There's no takeover of the government. There's no freedom. There's no Second Amendment. And, they, and then they get everybody running around fighting over whether it's an AK-47, the semi-auto or a fully auto so that they can give them, throw them a bone to have a victory or have them diverted from the fact that they just spent $9 trillion dollars building bombs and dropping them on the other side of the mountain from where I sit right here. Oh, man, you don't want to get me started. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so let's go back to the, the the atheism portion of all of this, right? Obviously part of the atheism portion is because you very much disagree with what's happening on a governmental level, and there's very, it feels like, I should say, there's very little thing you can do about it, so why sweat the things that ultimately I'm going to have zero impact on? Is that somewhat accurate? Um, it actually comes, it, it comes actually down more to suffering. Okay. And the, ch- the choice not to suffer. Because, because um, the other piece is, is the media atheism. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just, I've recently, and we talked before we went on the podcast about, I've recently come into this um, realization that any judgment that you make is going to cause you suffering, okay? And so Bob Marley says, every everybody will will choose you, will make you suffer. You need to choose the ones that are, that are worth suffering for. So... It's kind of like this, 
It's kind of like, hey, you know, I've watched some football and some basketball and some baseball, but I'm kind of gravitating really kind of towards the football, and I'm just not a basketball fan. Like, and so I, when I see two people debating anything political, I just see two people's ego smashing each other in the face with no real intended impact other than them trying to mentally masturbate themselves. It's an exercise. If, if it's something, it's kind of that saying where if it's beyond your control, then what are you wasting your time? messing with it for you know what i mean and and so um i think it be it got highlighted for me because um i think that there used to be i think the political arena in in politics is like a company when a company is small like and they made the constitution together there's a group of, of small individuals that were like-minded and then they all communicated and they knew each other's name and it was great because they were small. But every time a corporation gets bigger and bigger, and in fact, Gore, the company Gore, will not let a building or an organization get more than 150 people because they believe it's the optimum. Sweet spot is below that number. Once you get past that and you don't know everybody's name, it starts to get political, okay? And then it yeah. starts to get rank and file. And it needs to be all orderly. And then it just comes to a situation where you have to live in that machine, right? Based on your rank yeah. and file, do the things you need to do. So and it just seems silly. So based on that, it sounds like, if I could kind of dissect this a little further, the belief is is that if you have a community of people, more than 150, for Gore specifically... Um, and I read a book a while ago. I've had my dad read it. Chad's read it. I think Cyril's going to read it at some point called Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And he makes the argument essentially that, you know, it's having more than a hundred, 150 people, it's just impossible to have that many personal relationships with that many people. So do you feel like by practicing your media atheism slash political media atheism, you're eliminating this large sector of trash that you're not going to be able to keep up with anyway and ultimately just puts you in a negative place when you're done consuming it. Is that really the goal? Yeah, yeah, I, I really think so. And and um, so a little bit about me is that I, I've graduated like, uh, like your dad did from RIT with a en mechanical engineering degree, and I did the whole corporate gig. And I had the most amazing career and I worked for fuel cell companies and I stood on top of wooden turbines and I worked on nickel sodium batteries, I went to India and I went to China and they were amazing experiences. Uh, those journeys to those other lands, uh, really, um, personally and spiritually, but it, I had a gut ache because, uh, I was, I was giving away engineering jobs in India. And I was giving away American manufacturing jobs when I went to China. And so uh, I, I think in the 80s, you know, Wall Street happened and companies really started to, to serve the P&E ratios and not the people in the businesses. And without the people in the businesses, the companies don't even exist. Right. It's the only asset that they actually have. And then I, so I watched 
all of the giving away and then and, and the giving away because because Asia could make stuff so less expensive and the engineering hourly rate in India, even though I personally say that it was the engineering costs were more expensive, the hourly, hourly rate was less, okay? And then all of a sudden you see this flood of stuff coming in from China and it used to be you got a toaster from GE and it was shiny and it was chrome and it lasts forever and you could fix it if it broke. And now every time you repaint the kitchen, you buy all new appliances to match and all that shit goes in the landfill. And then the information age of the internet turned into not just a bunch of geeks hanging out and learning and, and like YouTube university, but the social media came and then it became faceless. And then, and then the, and the, and now it's, and now it's just a, not a town thing and local politics. It's the whole world looking. And then what happened is what got removed is my ability to punch you in the face if you said something that pissed me off. And now everybody with without using their real name, right, can go on the Internet completely void of any risk of being punched in the face and just say stupid shit to mentally masturbate themselves. It's a whole heap of garbage out there. And if you ask me, bring me back, right back, to the year my truck was made is 1967, and give me that truck and let me live in that era. I, I think a lot of it is me just being old and tired and gone through some stuff that's kind of outcast me from society and it's just allowed me to build this place it, it created a weird thing where i was overly sensitized to things i think are negative and, and that people are accepting into their brain into their supercomputer every day all this garbage and i put the wall up and then i and so steve jobs says if you once, if as soon as you realize that laws and rules were just made up by people that probably weren't smarter than you, then you start to realize I make my own world, and so it's really a protective cocoon for me to live in because I just realized I just. So I, I love this guy Alan Watts, mm -hmm. and one of his things uh, he said was. Uh, the secret to life is just living, okay? And so I just simply want to live. I want to take my old truck. I want to drive down to the store. I want to get high-test gasoline. I want to come back, and then I want to see if I can kill myself hanging off the back of a two-stroke motorcycle, <laughs> driving it all the way out as far as I can so that I can just barely get back with like an ounce of gas left and uh that's living that's life for me and and i'm and i've just gotten to the point where and here's the the truth of the matter is i am very incompetent i am very incompetent i am what? very i i am barely able to take care of myself and do the daily things that are required like you know like we talked about i, I if i get up i have a cup of coffee I do some bowel movements. I have a nice ride. I have a meal. Like, oh my God, that's a day. Like, when I was younger, you know, you work 40 hours a week at the job and you drive 10 to get there and then you come home and you build a massive deck, you know, on your house and stuff. So I think it was just I'm getting old and tired and incompetence and it's hard for me to accomplish a lot of stuff. And so I'm, I'm finally that guy, you know, that's like, what? 
the phone can see me. What, <laughs> the phone listening to me it keeps. It, I, I, it's. I do a search and then it keeps popping up similar items. Is there? I think they're watching me. <laughs> but it's like, a lot of it's in. I don't know. But based on that, like, I, I feel like what you're really getting to is that you've. You've realized what it is that you're looking for out of your life. You, For you, particularly, you want it to be simplified and you want it to be very freeing. You want the ability to say, this morning, I am going to do this, not this. Instead of saying, this morning, I'm fucking running late to work. Like that type of a mentality towards it. And I think that that's what works really well, but it doesn't necessarily require um, you to do anything but realize exactly what it is that you need. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think the only reason I'm trying to share it is because I think a lot of people did what I did, which was spend years of your life like viciously pursuing what the world's telling you to pursue, and and uh, and not just uh, really challenging. You know, right to the point of saying I'm not. I don't even believe in in the politics of this country a, a anymore. And and uh, a, and welcoming the um, the uh, apprehension or the pushback uh, with the things that I'm saying is because uh, I'm just trying to get people to realize if I, I'm in, in the people that are going to have the most adverse reactions to me are like your brother, right? If people are really driven hard into passionately participating in politics, um, it's just balance. It's a balance thing. Anything in excess could be too much. And so, you know, I, I, I've also come to the position as you get older, you care less and less what, what people think. And so I don't, I don't mind the opposition so much because the other thing that I, I've come to into is, is a life of minimalism. Mm. And so uh, I've had customers, I've had customers both. Uh, and so I'm doing this and I've had, I've been called out for doing this. I'm using my own business platform as a, I'm using my business as a platform, quote unquote, for my political atheism. <laughs> so that's oxymoron, I think, right there. But um, uh, just because uh, I, 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 it's done wonders to me to go off into the desert and and spend lots of time alone and meditating and realizing how little you need to actually just be happy on a daily basis. And I've had people both tell me. I've had people tell me, like, I've had the adversity. I've had people have adverse reactions to me, but I've had people DM me and say, hey, man, I really want to thank you because uh, I had one lady say, I really want to thank you because my husband has backed off a little bit on the politics thing, thanks to you. She goes, he used to sit for a half an hour getting pissed off on the toilet every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I had a kid that bought a, a vaporizer from me and he happened to be here at Joshua tree on vacation. Like it just happened to be this thing. He was like, Hey, I saw on one of your posts that you're in Joshua tree. Can I just pick my vape up? And so I take my old 71 motorcycle through the desert. I meet this kid at this, um, um, junk desert art 
gallery, you know, and I, and, and so he's, he's asking me like, wow, you live out here. And, you know, like I saw the pictures on, you know, you're on your, on your airstream. He's like, and so like you, you said you stayed rent free. And I was like, yeah, I haven't paid rent for over a year. You know, I live on nothing. I do whatever I want every day, you know, (laughs) you know, over the top about it. And so he just texted me last week. He's like, Hey man, uh, I hope you're right about that. Living free. I just bought a van. And so he was asking me about solar and I have a video on my rasabutadow.com channel about living off grid. And so, um, yeah, I just, what, what my life was is, is I got tricked into having, getting an engineering degree and I, uh, fell in love with being a design engineer, but then realized the politics of engineering and the fact that I got myself into a, make $120,000 a year, spend $140,000 a year lifestyle. And I was just living, um, to work. And, and that's, and what, and when, when engineering was my passion and when I was a design engineer and I could think things in my brain and, and make them materialize in CAD and then have the parts actually made and then deliver a product. I was really happy. And then I got into the management thing and I saw like, really, we're just feeding Wall Street here. Um, right. uh, then uh, I wanted to just do my own thing. So I had a buddy when I first got out of the Army. His name was Gavin, a uh, real good friend of mine. And he went off, went to New York City, went and got his master's degree, did all the things. And I, I call him and he's like, so what are you going to do now when I first get out? I'm like, oh, I think I might go to, I think I'm going to go to college and uh, maybe like do something like in maybe biology or something like that, because I, I think aquaponics is going to be something that that'll explode. And I'm really into it. Right? He's like, he goes, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I thought that was a, a relatively noble pursuit. I don't know. Like, what do you think? And he goes, listen, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Aquaponics is cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, whatever. All right, here's what you need to do. You need to go get yourself a, a suitable degree, right? Whether it's being an accountant or getting a finance degree or something stupid. He's like, something that's always going to guarantee you a job. Then you go and you find a company to work for that will let you work for 40 hours a week, not be outrageous, but like just, you know, do what you can do to live. Then after you're done working, then you work on your passion projects. That way, if your passion projects ever fail, you always have something to fall back on. And it's funny because I feel like that type of mentality really lends itself to that that existence because it doesn't end up being like it's keeping up with the Joneses. You got to get an RV or you got to get a camper. You got to have a pool put in or you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to live here. You got to live there. You got to eat here, not eat there. Like that type of a mentality. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, you're just you're literally working to work. You're working to to feed the the monster that is. Um, and I think that's the part that I really admire about you. And and one of the things from what you've done, I've I've taken on a much smaller level, granted, but to really make sure that I'm focusing on what makes me happy at the end of the day. Because you can work your ass off and you can make a shitload of money, but it's not going to matter if you don't at the end of the day go put your head on a pillow and feel fulfilled in life. Yes, and and you can make a massive quantity of money, and when you put your head on the on the pillow, that's the thing that makes you fulfilled, and that's perfect. Because it it it, it the problem with, that I had was I got 
into a place where I felt like what I was doing was 100% for everybody else and had zero to do with me. And that's why I imploded so hard, really down to the, to the burn it to the ground, you know, build it back up type levels. Right. Um, but yeah, that's if on the entrepreneurial note, um, that's exactly what I did is I, I realized that after, you know, 12 jobs and only a couple of them more than five years long that I, I had learned everything and run, uh, every road that I was going to run in corporate America and that it did not have the avenues for me to put me in a place where I was enjoying my work and feeling fulfilled. And so, you know, a lot of people will tell you, I threw away my engineering career to make bongs in my basement, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, and so God bless my mom, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, because, you know, it's the stigma's always been there, and, and uh, they, she always used to find my weed and throw it out when I was a kid. But, um, you know, eventually a few years into me running the, the vaporizer company and legalization started to come around, she actually was uh, helping me at one point uh, wrapping up pieces of glass that I was shipping out, and um, she came around. And so it's what you and I talked about earlier is – um, if you can just get past the fear and the fear is based on judgment of, of what you think is other people judging you, but it's really your judgment on other people in the world and just do something because, um, you know, if you Google Rasta Buddha Dow, which as you know, is now a defunct company, I'm selling out the last of it and people are freaking out, you know, uh, because it's the end of this thing that I did and it's there and it's going to be there forever. And cause I can remember thinking to myself, I spend my days prepping these PowerPoint presentations to push up to some executive in the operations meeting. You know, I was like, my dad built houses and they're all over the 518 area code. And they stood when he was dead. And I was like, what do I got a pile of PowerPoint presentations sucking ass to management? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, it, um, it comes back to that fulfillment piece, and that's the most difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around is what is it that makes me fulfilled? Yeah, because they're so busy getting bombarded by being told what will make them fulfilled, and it's all just lies by the government that it's tied to big corporate to sell you more shit so we can build bigger landfills and get further in debt to China. So what do you really want to do? Fuck the world and keeping up with the Joneses. But what makes you the, – the way to love yourself is to, to love your life. And, you, and no matter how, you, how much you try to love yourself, if you're trapped in a life that you don't love – and you're, and you're trapped there because of fear, financial fear, because everything is going to collapse if, if you don't get in there on Saturday, like you're, 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 you know, it's fear mongering. There's a lot of corporate fear mongering going on, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you drive an hour to get there every day to go through the ringer to come home and, and the, and the credit card bill is, you know, you're, I, I live on less than what my credit card bill used to run up. Beyond the hundred and twenty thousand I used to make, I can, I can buy all my medicine, tons of gas for the motorcycle, and eat T-bone steaks on the week for two hundred fifty dollars a week. 
like give me 400 because I got to get tires once in a while. Right. And then all of a sudden you go, wow, I'm not slave to the amount of money I have to make for the shit that I needed. I don't have any shit. I can just stop and slow down and breathe and tell myself, Hey man, what do you want to do today? You want to sleep in? Cause you're not feeling well, you know, like I would love a Montessori company. You know what the Montessori school is? No, 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 no. What's that? So the Montessori school is a self guided school, meaning if you're good, you do more of the things you love and that you're good at and that you're best at and you're self guided into what you're going to be great at. And it's kind of like a more of a free form curriculum that you work your way into. It's kind of like at the end of college, you pick your electives, right? Cause you've had a little experience, yep. but it's, it's very self guided and it's called the Montessori school. And so I forget the name guy, the name of the guy, but there's this guy, um, I think his name is Ricardo. I forget his last name, but if you Google a Ted talk, called a company with no rules it's called a company with no rules okay. uh he, he he threw out all the rules and the structure of, of a standard company and and how it operated and and did things like you named your own salary you when you were 30 you took a loan from him for ten thousand dollars and you took three months off and you hiked the Himalayas because that's what you wanted to do, but you paid it back to him over the years. Uh, just uh, very, very um, free-flowing company where where everybody isn't shoved into a box and given work. It's, again, it has to be small, but they all just they do the work that they do within, obviously, there has to be skill sets that you need filled, right? But uh, it was a very kind of free-form uh, a company with, with as, as little rules as, as possible. And um, what, it, what, I, what, what, what I've come to realize is I used to make a lot of money um, doing what I was told, but I now do what I love and enough money happens. I think there's something similar. There's another company that did something kind of similar to that. I think it was Zappos. Um, my really? wife, Alex, when she was getting her master's degree, they had to do like a case study on Zappos. And they did something similar where, you know, like hours were whatever you wanted them to be. And the goal was to, like, you weren't timed on how quickly you could get a customer off the phone, but more in fact, you know, you were timed as to how close you got to the customer getting what they really wanted. I think it was a shoe company too, but they had, they were doing things differently where you could do things like that, where you could um, change the structure of how a business worked daily. Um, it's, it's, what's that? That was Zappos, you believe? Yeah, Zappos. Yeah. I'll have to ask her, but, but I think she did a paper on it too. And Though, again, the concept was very similar. Like, you know, you weren't rated on things that you would typically be rated on. It was more rated on how you felt. You know, do you feel like you're doing a, a good job? What it is you think that the business can do better? And then they go, okay, well, then do it. Let's see, you know, how it works. As opposed to me as the boss telling you what the fuck you're going to do, when you're going to take a piss, and when you're going to 
work overtime and blah, blah, blah. Just kind of that type sure. of stuff. But I, I keep circling back with, with you and at least with this conversation to this idea of making sure that you have a community of people that have a similar thought process to you. Because I think what I see when I look yeah. around to my friends and, and what they're doing when you get caught up in that world of like keeping up with the Joneses and having to get the newest and the best and getting this or that or whatever it might be, um, that's driven from the community that you keep, the people you keep around you. Whereas if you spend the time to actually get people who don't care about that and actually care about like what it is that you're working on for you, what clearly makes you happy, you have a higher uh, propensity to actually pursue that type of exercise, whether it's meditation, whether it's like me, my whole thing right now is just talking to people that are passionate about whatever it is that they're passionate about. I'm having a shitload of fun doing it. And I have people around me who continue to encourage me to do that because they're seeing that it's making me happy because I'm having fun doing it as opposed to being like, Hey, have you thought about, you know, doing this to make more money so that we can go on this vacation or have you thought about this to get this so that we can all have really expensive golf clubs or, you know, whatever, whatever things that I don't give a shit about that in a lot of ways people feel pressured to do. And it seems like in a lot of ways you've found that type of a community for yourself, especially out West. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, check this out, man. Um, so I started this thing and it failed miserably at first. And you and I talked about this a little bit about the failures, but I'm doing this thing, and I called it gear, uh, gigs for gear. Yes. Okay? Yep. Gigs for gear. Okay. And so, I'm I I run a, a dry flower cannabis vaporizer company, and my clientele is fairly um, uh, artistic, and I am too. Um, probably thanks a lot to the being impressed, uh, you know, with your father and having that all around me growing up, and so. Um, and this is actually, I need to tell this to you anyway. Uh, so I have a couple artists that did these amazing photoshops of all these rock um, icons using my vaporizer or superheroes using my vaporizer. And it was this fun contest. And all I did was like give a couple free vapes away. And it, and it was this super thing. It turned into like everyone was having a blast, you know. And so... Um, but they're artists, you know, and we were, and so I told you that I was, I told your dad that I was going to barter with him for these auctions I'm doing, you yep. know, which are nothing. And so I, I was like, Hey, I, I got these artists that are kind of my artists, my, my brand artists. And so I, I reached out to them and one of them gave me back art. Like, I don't know. I keep coming back to this. And so this lady comes back with this stunner stunner not just one but two stunner logos like i gave her some shitty napkin sketch right and and they're ingenious and they're clean and they're pro like like there's tenants to a logo there's it's not art a logo is like a rigid thing that you got to go make you know this yep and you told me hey i don't know my dad's not the greatest with logos we'll have to direct them you know yep and so uh, I was just stupefied by it, and even though I made a deal with your dad for to uh, do my, the logo, um, she's doing she's doing so good. I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing, you know, gigs for gear. You want a gig? You want a gig for some gear?" I go because I can have my brother paint me an amazing painting, 
influenced by my triangle circle logo for me to have for the rest of my life instead of paying him to do the logo i can barter something else with him if you can do this logo for me and she's like she does all the giveaways she's always the giveaway girl right she's always on on top of all the giveaways so i go could you since you're doing the logo could you go find t-shirt manufacturers hat manufacturers like anything you think is cool like stickers go get like uh, uh quotes on stickers and like go find the best shit you know and um she's like yeah i'll totally do that right and so i told her and so she starts like digging right in and i was like whoa you're working too fast you're working too hard i so much appreciate this but make sure this is fun and you love what you're doing and just write down the number of hours okay and so i have like this cult following and I have this older vaporizer that I haven't got around to building yet. And it's a long story, but people are freaking out wanting one of these. And I only have like 20. Okay. And it's, it makes me feel bad. Right. Cause I only have 20 of these things, but these, this lady is like, boy, if I could get one of those and I was say no more, like one of 20, got your name on it right and she's like boom right she's like digging in she's loving it i'm loving it she's she's loving what she's doing and i and so i was like damn right and so that was last weekend then this week this kid comes on my live feed and he's a young kid i think he's a senior in high school and i've talked with him on instagram back and forth and he's really bright and he's on my live feeds a lot you know and he's kind of cocky and i like that so <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I'm doing this thing, right? And he's like, yeah, man, for sure, right? So I pull up a video chat with this kid. I'm in the middle of the desert, right? I pull up video chat with this kid. He's exactly what I think he is. I, you know, test him out a little bit. And um, same thing. So I got him going and, and, and scouring the earth for the best suppliers to do a specific thing for me and he loves babes and he has vape design ideas and he's really grateful to be working right and and it's just this thing it's just uh it's just it's like a a communal it's like the, it's like it started out because i'm on instagram live i used to have to go through the marketing department and they didn't actually talk to the customer when they did it was the same customer they always talked with because they bought him dinner you know what i mean right right <laughs> And it's like they're lazy and they never actually went out and talked to the customers. And as an engineer in the startup companies, I'm jaded because I think the marketing department missed the mark and didn't tell us really what to do that the customer wanted for value. So I can go out on Instagram Live at any time and within 20 minutes, I'll have 10 people there and I can go, hey, I'm working on this design. I'm thinking either stainless or brass, right? And the answers will be brass, 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 stainless, brass, brass. And I'll go, thank you. And I'll instantly know exactly what the customer wants. Mm -hmm. And I put it in the design. So then, you know, I got really close and I started developing this community. And then you develop these relationships. And so uh, then the kid that used to run the web store for me graduated with a, a degree in marketing, but he's god forbid in politics now but that's okay because he's now in the background building me a new company yeah new.com he's going and getting every single 
uh, uh, nauseating social media feed from Twitch to Twitter, <laughs> and he's gapping them all up somewhere, and he's he's interviewing right. people to build our website, and he's researching people to do fulfillment ordering for me. And uh, the trick of it is, is you have to have empowered people because the truth of the matter is, I believe, ninety percent of people want to go to a job that they don't deserve to have and then bitch about the opportunity they have to go there to work every day. And they, they, they have very, they are very little ability to be empowered. They're victims. They sit in their shit every day. They're happy to do it. They bitch at the world and they have very little accountability is a good portion. So you got to find the right people and, it's really, I remember, man, when I was an engineering manager and I was trying to hire supplier quality engineers, like travel the world with GE, I'll give you a corporate card, you know, you flex time, like I'm super cool, you know, come out, I'll buy you drinks, we go bowling all the time. And like, I was getting duds, man, duds, you know? So it's so hard. There's the whole behavioral interviewing thing now, you know, to try to sort through people's bullshit and find good people. And um, it's so hard to, you know, well, even if you bring the guy back for two days of grueling interviews through nine people and have a selection process, the guy could still be a meth addict. (laughs) You know? Like, so this, this thing where these people... And I can give you 10 more examples through me starting up this company where people have just come in and in, in to me and been like, hey, man, your website's not that great. I'm a website guy. And I was like, yeah, I know it's a piece of shit, dude, but I'm one guy. I'm doing everything. I don't have any money. And he went, that's cool. I'll do it for free. And then I was like, well, I'll give you some vapes at least. And so that's kind of how this whole gear for gig started out. I, I've had multiple people that's why I'm I'm overjoyed to pay it forward with your dad because I've had people come do what I'm you know attempting to at least try to do help your dad out you know right well it's it's interesting it's fun as far as having like smaller communities like that to be able to pay it forward because you also as a consumer right for me it also makes me feel good knowing that um you're doing things to try to pay it forward and to help you know the community as a whole so it also does feel good from that aspect as well. Instead of just buying some mass-produced vape from who knows what the fuck where it's from. Um, yep, yep. There's a lot yep. more for me to explore as well because to your point too, right, the people who consume or use your product, um, you know, I don't want to say they're all the same people because they certainly aren't, but relatively speaking have similar interests. So by doing Gears to Vape you or, or Gears for... for Shit, what was it? Gears for... Gig, gigs for gear. Gigs for gear, sorry. Gigs so for gear. With doing that, you also get to expose people to, um, whether it's artistic works, other creators, whatever it might be, and I get a constant um, update on your feed, at least, and it, through Instagram particularly, to see these things. Like, like whoever did Buds and Doses, that shit's... <laughs> that shit's hilarious. <laughs> That's the, one of my artists. In the black Jesus with the vape? Yes, dude. And these people just came and did this for a chance. And it wasn't even, it turned not into a chance to win a vape. It turned into who's getting the most likes on their drops. Right, right. 
And so it's just, you know, I, you know, what it boils down to a lot too is, is I worked big corporate and small private and vice versa. And, um, it's, it really just depends if you like want to wear that power suit and sit in the corner office. And that's again, like at the end of the day, if, if, if that's what allows you to love what you do. Right. And so it's, there's too much like rank and file and keep like at one point at GE. And so I, yeah, do you know the movie office space? Yes. Well, I like lived that script on my way out of corporate America. <laughs> so, uh, and I did it to fairly grand fashion, but, um, at one point I did something that was, was basically career suicide, which I, which was, I refused. I not only refused a promotion, I asked for a demotion. <laughs> and so in the process, cause I was just done with the management. I'm like your dad. Okay. Give me a CAD program and some weed and food. Just leave me alone forever. I'll be, I'll make amazing things that you won't believe, but that's all I have the capability to do. So when I got into like management, you know, and I was like, this sucks. You know, like I told you, I couldn't hire a decent person to save my life. <laughs> you know? so I, like, I just want to go back to being, a, you know, and it was this big thing, right? Cause here's the thing with GE, like there's, there's secrets. Like you can leave once. Like literally, this is a law at GE. If you leave once, you can come back once. That's it. That's it. Everybody leaving the second time, he's like, yep, this is it, man. <laughs> and so you just get boxed in. And like I said, I, I'm an artist that accidentally got an engineering degree. And and that's how it all happens, you know. But uh you just got to do what you love. Like, in order to love yourself, you have to love your day. You have to be able to love every minute of every day. And if eight hours of it is work, you know? And so um, the minimalizing thing is also the enabler is, is you, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say, hey, I want this million five mansion and I'm only going to work 20 hours a week, right? Right. I chose to say, hey, I'm only working 20 hours a week, but I'm going to ride my motorcycle, you know, and drive all over the country and explore the this great land we live in because that's the trade-off. You know, it's freedom. It's the, it's the trade-off of freedom. You know? Well, I really appreciate this. Like, I'm an artist that accidentally got an engineering degree because some of the things you've been talking about actually not too long ago is – the potential to incorporate like a hemp plastic into your products in the future. Is that something that like can be done? Does it have the ability to be incorporated into a vaporizer? Yeah. Yeah. And so again, this kid, he's like in high school, he's an AP, AP calculus. He's, you know, COVID he's stuck home. He's bored. He lost his job as a lifeguard. And, uh, He's work. It's one of the things I sent him after. I said, "Hey, when you're bored with these, like if you get ahead of me, like there's this thing, hemp plastic, you know." And um, it's and again back to being able to go. I can go ask my customers, and my, one of my sayings is, "What would you like?" Because I don't design vapes for me. I design them for you. And uh, and so I was 
in the design mode and my customers are used to buying exotic woods they're used to buying artisan exotic wood vapes and so it's an artisan niche stoner type thing and so with a grain of salt i asked my customers hey man i'm thinking of doing a vape and i was thinking of you know i'm doing the don't worry I'm doing exotic woods. I'm thinking of doing plastic. They almost lynched me. They lynched me. Okay. They do not there. You do not use plastic in a vaporizer because a vaporizer gets warm and warm plastic is just bad. Like there's, there's just this disdain for plastic. Okay. So then I turned it to, okay, well, what if I do smell proof hemp plastic lockable storage containers? And then they're like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right so so yeah yeah i am uh and and i'm and it's a funny thing of this is is when i came into the business and i started this business i had 20 years of corporate brainwash okay and i had a very 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 stiff child support payment to make every week sure <laughs> and, uh, so I went in in this very corporate, I was like, you know, an engineer that forgot he was an artist five years ago, okay, and had this industry beat into me that, uh, that uh, no, actually, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, that, uh, I, I, I'm an engineer, I'm an engineering artist, I guess, but I love to, I love CAD design, mechanic, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a design engineer. You know, and that's so close to artists, so close to artists. So what is it about the vapes that you've made that are significantly different? I know, again, you use um, very specific materials, very natural, lots of uh, hardwoods in a lot of, of at least your older products. What else yep, is yep. it about that your vape design specifically that really you feel set it apart from, from other vapes? Um... Well, really, so the, the, the quick story was, um, like you and I were just talking about earlier, your buddy's saying, get any degree and find a job and then do what you love as a passion. There's one more step in there. Okay. Find a job that's 40 hours a week, right, that will also pay for you to get your master's degree in the thing that you love. Then, after that, moonlight doing the thing that you love until it turns into this lucrative thing. And you can it can be lucrative enough by reducing what you need. It doesn't need to, as you as I've proven, you can reduce what you need down to the money that will be available doing what you love. Right? That's an option. People don't like to go backwards. It's like the demotion I talked about earlier. Right. But um, no, I I was on this. Uh, I did it at night, just did this design work at night and I did a lot of patent research and I, and I, and, uh, watched a ton and ton of the different reviews and teardowns and, and, uh, called companies that I thought I might be in violation of their patents on to clear some things up. But then after I dropped the provisional patent, I went onto this company, this website called fuckcombustion.com. Okay. Okay. And what it is, it's a encrypted protected because we needed this you know five and ten years ago site where all these nerds that vaporize cannabis right because most people still don't understand that what you know 
can't, don't even know cannabis can be vaporized and they don't know that it's healthier and efficient to do it, right? It's still kind of a, a niche underground secret, I guess. But these people were experts and they were fanatic and they would hand me my ass when I like when I used adhesive, I used adhesive to, to glue one part in to this. Everything else is stainless, glass, wood, very pure. I use this one little bit of glue in a spot where it's not even adjacent to the flow stream. Like it, there's there's zero like zero upon zero chance of it uh, polluting anybody. It's 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 at a temperature that's half the rated temperature. Right. These people went bizarro nuts, like ballistic on me about, oh, my God, you're putting adhesive in. And I fought this adhesive monster okay, for like years until I could design the adhesive out. So a lot of the reason that I was I started early. Number one, Mm -hmm. I started right before everyone else and their brother got in the game. And um, so what I did was on that website, I went and researched. And found who I thought were the 12 best in the world and asked them if I gave them a free unit, if, if they would critique it for me. And then when I was done and I took their advice and I made a revision, I'd give them another free one. So their voice was heard and then I gave them back what they asked for and they were like, hell yeah. So I hired the experts in the world to give me their expert opinion and shit tons of their time for like 500 bucks a piece. <laughs> it's great entrepreneurship is way better here's what the thing is uh, is government is politics and politics is corporate america and corporate america is a big slow moving not caring oaf that serves the serves the stock price man and you in in this slow and lean and agile thing like with a phone and an instagram account you know, I'm dropping auctions on the first of the month, and in two hours, I'm selling out all the money I need for the month, and I'm good. That's it. I, stress is gone. I used to, I was like, yeah, I sell every day, and I was like, no, I sell once a week, and then recently, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to come out once a month, right? And what <laughs> I didn't realize is I'm creating this naturally cyclic supply and demand and scarcity every month. By doing nothing, by doing less, I'm creating more of an excitement than ever. <laughs> so that's awesome because ultimately, too, right? It fits into your your lifestyle and your current life philosophy, so it it works. And I think when you talk about, if I could sum all this up, is the one thing that I'm noticing is that fear is what people ultimately need to overcome, whether it's the fear of not having what other people have, whether it's the fear of taking that step outside of that comfort zone, whether it's the fear of even just reaching out to people and saying, hey, would you mind reviewing my vape or would you mind having a conversation with me on a podcast? Um, Getting rid of that fear to be able to take those steps sounds like ultimately is the crucially most important thing. So then you learn about yourself through the potential failures or experiences or successes that you ultimately will or won't have throughout the whole process of getting rid of that fear. Yes. Yes. And I, I gotta tell you, um, you gotta have your father on the podcast and talk to him about fear because, uh, I would love to like with your father that I wonder sometimes if the fact that, 
that he, he had to overcome being deaf, right? Like, in a lot of ways, being deaf is almost like a social deform- deformation, right? Yeah. Because, like, it's a funny thing because, like, obviously I grew up with my brothers. They're deaf. I went to RIT. It was a deaf school. I, like, had no problem and hung out with deaf kids. Like, and then, but then I would see all the people that weren't exposed to deaf people, right, would be, like, weird about deaf people, you know? And it was the first time, because everyone in Gansver loved the shit out of my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'd never seen anything but, like, everyone love them. And so when I went to college and I saw that, I was like, I remember that being, like, a thing. Like, that bothered me. Like, and I wonder if he had to overcome that, right? Or is it because, you know, my parents were, were so amazing to drive them out to uh, to roam, you know, back and forth every weekend and buy them. Like, we had no money, and every single one of us, did crazy things like our parents just like whatever we wanted to do we just muttered we wanted to do something crazy and like here's a unicycle go ahead kid right. you know? but um here's the secret i think about fear is too is that we think that we're afraid of things okay let's say uh, i'm afraid of being embarrassed for using cannabis because it has a stigma of whatever okay what you're really scared of is the fact that you're judging other people the same way you're judging an alcoholic and pointing a finger at them is really the thing that's the fear the fear isn't uh you know the 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 judgments you're creating the judgment. You're creating the judgment. You're creating the fear. It doesn't exist until you acknowledge that you are afraid of someone else's. It's someone else's world. It's not yours, right? And so it's the it's the it's the act of taking it in. That if you just refuse to take it in, and 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 we we're just we're just so conditioned to. Uh, look outward and and see what other people are doing and see who has the most followers and then naturally try to emulate them and then obviously you've got the movie stars and actresses and you're trying to 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 emulate whatever you're seeing outwardly and then you're just serving everyone else you're drinking everyone else's poison and, and it, it'll kill you. And so if you if you just turn and look inward and really realize you don't need to be fr- frightful of anyone's judgment, what you really just need to do is look inward and say, hey, man, I love you. Maybe I haven't been taking the best care of you and really what you want. Because it's, you know, the frog in the pot thing? Yes. You know, so... I just got to a place where I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man who was raised in, 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 in uh, a minimalist uh, lifestyle and for whatever reason, because some people will be raised hippie and they want to have a million dollars, but I never really, I never really wanted uh, stuff. I just wanted to be an amazing engineer and, and money happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, 
more money happens and more money happens and more money happens. And then if most people just naturally budget their money to what expenses they have. And then all of a sudden you're just, you just get to a point where you're just trapped there, you know? And, uh, when I finally looked inward, I was like, wow, I'm 95%, uh, living my life purely to satisfy the outside world to the point of like, being extremely unhappy having to go to this job and uh i'll admit to you (laughs) that i went from the far right to the far left as hard as i possibly could because i have lived under uh i had lived a life under a lot of judgment and control and i really wanted to get hyper judged like you know the Eminem song, uh, I am who you say I am. If yeah. I wasn't, why would you say I am? Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I took that thing and I just like jacked it up a gas on me. <laughs> <laughs> I went off of space. I went off of space. Like I torched my career. I torched my credit. I intentionally torched my credit. I called up, <laughs> I called up the people that owned my house, aka the mortgage holder. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, I, how you doing? Oh, good. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I just want—I'm giving you back. I'm giving you back your house." And there's this long silence, and she says, uh, "I don't think I understand what you mean, sir." And I said, "Yeah, I just want to let you know I'm giving back your house. The keys are on the counter." And she goes, "Well, you, so you just can't get back the house. We have paperwork. You have to fill out. We have to. We can do a short sale for you." And I was like. Nope, I already called the real estate agent. It's so far underwater. And I said, I got a lot going on, I said, right now. And I said, I just really don't have time for any more of this. I said, the keys are on the table. And I hung up the phone, and the keys are on the table, and I left. (laughs) A.K.A. house foreclosure. (laughs) So I was like, yep, never owning a house again. Yep, they're never going to give me a credit card again. Yep, I'm going right to the bottom. We're going to go right to the bottom. (laughs) Well, ultimately, I appreciate all the time that you've spent with me today. Um, if you are interested in any of this stuff, check out Rastabuda Tao. I'll have it in the intro as well. And uh, hopefully, I think what I would like to do, not just do one with my dad, but I think at some point I want to do uh, maybe some group ones at some point, like me, you, and Cyril, or me, you, and Chad, or or maybe even at some point you and Cyril or you and Chad, because I think that you would get a ton out of those conversations as well. Yes, yes, that uh You'd have to manage both myself and Cyril, though. So. That's why that one might be might have to have me included. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate the time. Man.